You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Step Further. This is our weekly podcast from Kingsway Christian Church. I'm Matt Nickerson, and I am the host for today's podcast. And uh, so for those of you who are noticing that the sound quality of this is not amazing, that's because we are still quarantined. It is uh, mid-April 2020, and uh, we just finished Easter. So we're still doing this by cell phone until uh, everybody figures out a way to get back to normal. So keep joining us in prayer for that. And what I want to do is take us back to the resurrection and look at a text we didn't get to look at Sunday, and then I want to apply it as we look forward to a series we are kicking off this Sunday. For those of you who are tuning in before the week after Easter, uh, we are starting a series this Sunday on freedom. And what does it mean to be free? Jesus says in John eight thirty six that if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. What does he mean? Free from what? And maybe the better question is, free for what? Well, let's actually dig into that very question by looking at one of the resurrection texts, John chapter 20. We're going to pick up at verse 11. Let me just give you a background real quick. So Mary has already seen the resurrection, and she's run and grabbed the disciples. She didn't actually see him raised, but she saw an empty tomb, grabbed Peter and the other disciple, John, and then runs to the tomb. Now it says in verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. She didn't fully understand. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. Now, first of all, this is an absolutely fascinating conversation in that she's looking at an empty tomb, and she's talking to angels, and yet she thinks that somebody has stolen the body. She just doesn't understand. And without digging too much into that, not going into a whole sermon about angels, when we see angels on earth, they almost always look like the shape of a human. They take on a form that's familiar to us, but sometimes we get to see them in bright light and white flashing kind of um, robes and colors and array of things and and in heaven, they have a much more different view, and we see that in Isaiah and Revelation and Daniel and all kinds of things going on, depending on the kind of angel, and that's not the point of today's text. What's fascinating to me is when she looks into the tomb, the place where Jesus' body was supposed to be laid, we are told there was an angel at the head and an angel at the foot. Now, one of the things we know is there's these three Gospels, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These three Gospels uh, have so, are so closely knit together that different scholars argue over which one of them was written first and that the other two certainly most have used, must have used the other two Gospels when writing their Gospel book and then filled in some details and some other things that either they remembered or remember being told from, from somebody who was there or whatever it is. John's Gospel is different. So sometimes John touches on the same stories that they touch on and he maybe adds a little detail or a little this or a little thing from his perspective. But a lot of the times John is speaking uh, theologically, about the, the story of Jesus, less than he is, say, trying to go through the, the, the correct order or whatever. So everything John does has a theological implication to it. Now, that doesn't mean that John can't be trusted and he's not giving an actual account or a factual account of things that happen. 
don't misunderstand. But John's purpose is theological as much as anything. He's trying to teach us and reveal things about Jesus himself. So why did he let us know there's an angel at the head and an angel at the foot? And I find this fascinating. We also see this, and I, I maybe I didn't look this up, so give me a little grace here. I think it's uh, in the book of Luke, we see one also on top and one somewhere else, like on top of the tomb and one somewhere else. But the whole point of this, though, is if you go back and you were to look at the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant um, had two cherubim. And the two cherubim um, are have their wings facing each other, one on the left and one on the right. And the Ark of the Covenant sat inside the Holy of Holies. It was the place where it was said that God dwelt in his temple. And as you got closer and closer and closer to this this Holy of Holies, it became more and more and more restrictive. So you could, Gentiles could only go so far in, then women could only go so far in, the Jewish men could only go so far in, the priests could only go so far in, and then the high priest is the only one, and only one time a year on the Great Day of Atonement, described in Leviticus chapter 16, could go into the Holy of Holies. And that, that was in the middle of the temple, which is also fascinating, because if you go all the way back to Genesis, we find that there is a tree of life, and it is sitting in the middle of the garden. And the tree of life points us specifically to life. Now, I may have already lost you and all this Bible talking stuff, but if you're fascinated by Bible stuff like I am, what John is trying to let us know is in the same way that there were two angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant that was said to be the judgment seat of God inside the Holy of Holies. And the same way that the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the middle of the temple, the tree of life was placed in the middle of the garden. And now that Jesus has risen from the dead, there are two angels on each side of the resurrection. And in the Bible terms, all of these things are being tied together for you. So what does it mean? It means this, that when Jesus died on the cross and they rose from the dead, he is bringing life to you. The tree of life, which brought us life, is being brought to you. The judgment seat, which sat inside the Holy of Holies, which pronounced judgment over Israel, is now no longer pronouncing judgment. It is pronouncing life and grace and peace and hope to you. The, the same angels that sat on the Ark of the Covenant top are sitting there saying, here, you are coming into the judgment seat. But it's not called the judgment seat anymore. It's now called the mercy seat. This is why we're told in Hebrews that we can come into the throne of grace with confidence. Oh, what a powerful statement. This idea that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he came to bring us life and life, everlasting life. Because now when we come to the judgment seat of God, we don't need uh, a human high priest on one day a year. We have a heavenly high priest. His name is Jesus. And we could come in as much as we want, whenever we need. His mercies are new. Every single morning, we can come to him and say, Heavenly, Heavenly Father, I love you. I need you. Help me. Forgive me. Give me all that I need. Now, that in and of itself is a powerful thing. And I hope it was powerful for you as you listen to this. But there's more to say real quick. So John chapter 20, take a look. Verse 14, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you'll put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. 
but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And that's where I want to close our time today with one really quick point. Why are we talking about freedom and what does that have to do with this little thought for you today? It has everything to do with it. The fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead opened up the way to God for us in ways that most of us growing up in a nation that has been largely Christian or hearing about God most of our lives, we don't understand. You didn't always have access to God before Jesus. Your only access was through systems and sacrifices. And it was complex and it was hard and it was weighty and it was costly, but Jesus paid it all. So all to him I owe. And the beauty of this is Jesus said, now that I have rose from the dead, I am going back to my father. So don't hang on to me because I'm not done yet. I got to go back to God. You'll get to cling to me later when I come back again and you're reunited with me. But between now and then, I'm going to my God and your God, my father and your father. Nobody called God father until Jesus showed up. I know it's normal for us to say that today, but nobody called him that until Jesus showed up. If you were to ask a Hebrew person in the first century who their father was, they'd say, my father was Abraham. He had many sons, many sons at Father Abraham. That's what they called him. That was father. But now father is God, your father, my father, your God, my God. Listen, um, as you're driving down the road today, as you're running on your treadmill, whatever you're doing, however you listen to this, I want you to take this and apply it to your life. Next time you hear a voice condemning you or judging you, that's not God. That is not the voice of your heavenly father. Your father is not a mean, cruel, harsh, condemning God. Your God is a merciful, loving God who died on a cross and rose from the dead so that you could know him and love him. I want to encourage you today as you draw near to your father, talk to him, listen for his voice, learn to tune your ears to his voice that you might hear him whisper over you my child, in whom I am well pleased. He loves you. Love him back. We'll see you next week.